everybody. Thanks, uh, Pastor Kent, Artie, uh, give me an opportunity to, to share from my heart this morning. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I've got some good friends here with us today who came to see everybody here. <laughs> yeah, if you know my humor, you'd laugh. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, Lori Hackett is with us and Joel Gilley. And uh, a few of you had a chance to, to welcome them. But thank you for coming and welcome. So this, uh, this message, this theme this morning is one in which has, for me personally, been, been with me for probably a couple decades and in varying, in variations, right? And, and essentially, it's what I call the biblical view of pleasure. It's good. Uh, see, and isn't it interesting? That's why I gave it time. That's why I gave space there. Isn't that interesting? You, you sit there going, uh, hmm. Isn't that interesting? So anyway, uh, Sammy, you can start off with the, with the slides, and maybe if, if, if I don't see you clicking through, I'll, I'll give you a little. Got that, Sam? All right. So, you know, a lot of times in our lives, people say, hey, you know, how did you come to the Lord? How did you come to Christ? What's your testimony? And, you know, a testimony is really a story at the end of the day. It's a journey. It's a, um, when somebody says, what's your testimony, it's kind of like, I don't know if it's an, a, an autobiography kind of way, right? We kind of share, like, our journey of life. I mean, I always kind of go back to the beginning of, yeah, I was born to these parents because, it, it, I mean, God, God let me be born. God ordained me to be born, whatever term you want to use, but these are the parents. I you know, kind of go through this whole thing of life. And, and, you know, if we had about five hours, I could probably start to share with you my, my, um, my testimony. But uh, we'll go into this one, one, one area of my testimony, because this really is part of my testimony. I mean, delighting ourselves in the Lord, a biblical view of pleasure, pleasure is really part of my testimony. It's part of my journey. It's almost as if I, I was, you know, to use that term, born again, born again, again. Right? So it's, it's really interesting how, how we go through life and, and God gives us an opportunity. At the end of the day, at the end of all given time, the opportunity in life is to know him. To be loved by him. To love ourselves. Which is another message that becomes part of that journey as well. It's harder to love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself. Anyway, sorry, I get off on those tangents sometimes because they, they, they go deep inside of me. So I tell people oftentimes I'm a recovering Pharisee. Why is that? Because I used to really like to prove myself to myself and to others. I actually just shared a story with, uh, with, with Joel this week. We were having a cup of coffee together. I didn't think about saying this, but I'm going to share this this morning real quick. And I wrote it down, um, and, and this really kind of exemplifies. I didn't, even, I didn't even want to share this, but probably because you're here making the connection in my head. When I was in high school, I was, um, you know, National Honor Society, captain of the football team. You're one of those people, and that usually says, Marsha, 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 you know, from the Brady Bunch. And, 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 you know, I was, I was, I was senior of the month one year, one month, in, et cetera, and, and I was not chosen most likely to succeed. And I've never told anybody this. 
it just struck me this past week. So you talk about a recovering Pharisee, right? And I told Joel after I wrote it down, because I wrote it down that, that morning or the night before, and I just, we just happened to be having coffee, hanging out. And, and um, I said, I, this, is, this, is, this is interesting. It just came up within me. So, and, I, and, and the person who was chosen most likely to see it, I actually remember his name. Like, and I don't remember people's names from high school, and it came up in that moment when I wrote it down the other night. Like, it was like, boom. And, and his name is uh, Louis DiLorenzo. Um, and, and it just was, really was kind of bizarre. I didn't look him up in the yearbook or anything. But, but I, I was just like, wow. And I never told anybody in high school this. I never told. Annette's probably hearing it from the first time. So you talk about a journey. You talk about a recovering Pharisee. I mean, I was a really good Christian when I was a senior in high school. Really good Christian. You know, I was invited to parties. And so I would, I would barter I'll go to a party with you if you come to church with me. That was always my thing when I was, not, not through all of high school, but at least when I became a senior, I was a lot more confident in myself and able to do that. <laughs> but but th- that's just one example of how I'm a recovering Pharisee. I never told anybody I felt that way because that's not the right way to feel. How can they pick him and not me? Anyway. It ties into what we're talking about here today, the biblical view of pleasure. See, I thought that would be a way to have pleasure and happiness and joy if they were to pick me most likely to succeed. But they didn't. It's good stuff. I used to think I can work my way to gaining God's pleasure over me. And truth be told, I still have some of that in me. I, I'm just being honest. I do. Some of it's good. Some of it has been, most of it's been redeemed. But every once in a while, just like the story this week, up it comes again going, wow, I never saw that before. It never came up. I've repressed that my whole life. And you know what? God is so concerned about my joy, my happiness, my pleasure, that he allowed me to experience that this week. Not so I could tell you this morning. I didn't even plan on telling you that. But so I could have greater joy in him and delight myself in him. It's like one more little piece was just like, boop. So I could delight myself in him. It's amazing. I'm, I'm standing here telling you something I didn't even write down or think about. It's so cool. So amazing. So let's, let's, uh, let's go to the next slide here. And, um, you know, God created pleasure, and I think it's really important for us to have a foundation of that. And we oftentimes equate through our religious eyes that, that anything that's good and pleasurable must be wrong. Um, I, was, I was actually working out yesterday afternoon, in my, and I had on man versus food. <clears throat> and it was the Philly episode with the big cheesesteak. And... <clears throat> and um, he was also at the ice cream parlor, Franklin's, um, you know, the one in, in right, right near Independence Hall. It's like a block or two away. And, and he was having this Sunday, and, and he said, and I was, th- you know, my mind was thinking about today, and I had been studying a little bit and reading and preparing for today. And, and he said, you know, this big giant Sunday, this brownie volcano Sunday, and he goes, you know, it's like a sin to enjoy this or eat this. 
And see, we, we're so programmed. I mean, we're in our culture, we're so programmed that anything that could be enjoyable, oftentimes many of us just think as being anti-God or, or sinful or evil or whatever it may be. And I'm here to tell you today and here to show you how Scripture says that that's wrong, absolutely positively wrong. That's a wrong way of thinking. That's not how God thinks. You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we're going to go through a few verses here today. Psalm 1611. God so much so desires for us to live lives of joy, happiness, and pleasure. He does. He designed the whole earth for that reason. Matter of fact, we'll, we'll see that in a second here. So the next slide shows us Psalms 36, 7, and 8. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your house, letting them drink from the river of your pleasures. God created pleasures. They're his pleasures that he says, here, partake. Enjoy. Have a life full of pleasure and have the pleasures that I have for you. God designed this place we call earth, the universe, who knows how large it is. God designed, and sometimes I'm often challenged with the traditional thinking is God's so big, but yet sometimes I often wonder, and Tim, maybe you and I can have a conversation with a cup of coffee one day. You could appreciate this, how God is in the microscopic and the nano quantum Right, because we oftentimes look out there, but but what about God being down here in this that we can't see in, in the small as well? But anyway, that's Tim and I will have a cup of coffee one day and talk about that. Um, maybe at the men's breakfast that can come up as a topic of conversation, and everyone's going, "Oh, eight o'clock on a Saturday morning? You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> but God, if you read through Genesis and read through the first chapter, um, and and He goes through the you know day one, day two, day three, day four. There's a, there's a little phrase in there after he completes each day, and what is it? it? He saw that it was good. He didn't see that it was bad. He didn't see that it was even a struggle. <laughs> he saw that it was good. In the whole DNA of, of creation itself is goodness. Why wouldn't God want and God be a God of pleasure and want us to be people of pleasure? We're created after God's own image. Matter of fact, he says that right there in creation. I'm going to make man, I'm going to make woman, and I'm going to make, we're going to make them after our likeness. And so he creates us and designs us in his image. Luke 12, 32. For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. And what's interesting, even again from the beginning of creation, God said to to, to man and woman, here, you take dominion over the earth. You, you are to be masters over this earth. And he gives them authority here in this earth. And it gives him great happiness to give you the kingdom. In Revelation 4.11, this, this is amazing. I never saw this before until I was reading this this week. For you created everything... And it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. For his pleasure that they exist and created. 
I'm going to show you something in just a second, but, but just to emphasize, everything was created, why? For God's pleasure. And you and me are created in his likeness, in his image. Why shouldn't we do things to have pleasure? We're, we're violating the, our own creation. We're violating our design when we believe the opposite. You talk about living a frustrating life. You're trying to do something different. It's, it's you know, I, when I was a kid, I, yeah, I'm sure there was a time I, I was obsessed with hammering nails into the, 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 the stringer of the basement steps. And, and there was a couple nails in there, and I, I, I would always, like, when no one was around, kind of hammer another one because I knew there was a limit to how many there should probably be in there. But I kept adding to it. And it's just an image in my head I've always had my whole life. <clears throat> and I'm sure I used a hammer on a screw at that age. <laughs> and I'm sure I pounded it as hard as I could, but it probably was, if I was really trying to fasten something, it'd be a very frustrating act, Right? So when we, we, a hammer's not made for a screw, it's made for a nail. A screwdriver's not made for a nail, it's made for a screw. And when we start to think that we're made to live lives that have nothing to do with pleasure, that's messed up, folks. It's absolutely messed up. So here's the one thing I never saw before. Ready? This is cool. <clears throat> I'm going to go back to Revelation 4. And I'm going to read um, just a couple, actually just verse 8, verse 8. And if you got your Bibles in front of you, you could do that. It's not up here. <clears throat> so in Revelation 4, this is John's revelation of what he sees in heaven, right? This is John's revelation given to the Apostle John. And he says, each of these living beings had six wings. And their wings were covered all over their eyes, all over with eyes, inside and out. It's pretty, pretty crazy if you start to imagine what that looks like. I'm not an artist. I can just get a little bit of my imagination there. But day after day, night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And then in Revelation 4.11 that you read here, for you created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. These aren't the creatures with the eyes in and outside of the wings, and the six wings, saying this. These are the elders. The creatures were saying, holy, holy, holy. Who always was, who is, and still is to come. And then the, the creatures, these, these heavenly beings, and then these, these angels or thereabouts, if, if you will, and, and then the elders created mankind, says this. These, these beings with the wings and the eyes have no reference point. In 1 Peter verse 1, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 12. Peter says, and now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful. Good news is wonderful. 
that even the angels are eagerly watching these things. Even the angels seek to understand these things. I'm not sure angels understand pleasure because they're not created as we are created in creation. It kind of struck me as I was reading Revelation 4. The angels say, holy, holy, holy. And the elders talk about you created everything and it's created for your pleasure. And I was like, wow. I never saw that before. That's kind of interesting. That makes me go, huh, just a bit. So, God created you, he created me, to be happy. I told Travis uh, earlier, I said, I said, you know, I, I, I prepared a slide deck for today and, and uh, yesterday, and I sent it over to Travis, and I was, just before I sent it over, I was watching, and, and I, forget, I forget his name. I should know it. But um, the song, Be Happy, right? Yeah, uh, Farrell. Farrell, yeah, thank you. But I never saw the video before. And I was watching it, and I was sitting there, almost tears come in my eyes. And I was like, but, you know, I wasn't going to, I'm not going to show it today. Um, <laughs> that might really challenge our religiosity. Um, <laughs> but, but, but it really goes to show you how we, we all just got this journey we're on, right? Huh? Come on now. But God created you. He created me to be happy. Right, Sam? God does not punish you or me for our desire to be happy. Quite the opposite. And we cannot repent for wanting to be happy. See, we're designed to pursue pleasure. We're designed to pursue happiness. I would, I would beg to say that every decision you and I make is based upon that decision leading to happiness. Now, there are times, going back to working out in the basement, I was you know, probably more interested in the cheesesteak than I was the workout. But <laughs> I know that inflicting some level of discomfort by working out, well, I do that because I know it's going to make me happy. Right? I mean, deferred gratification, we've all heard about it. You know, don't spend money today, save your money, you have it later, you defer that immediate happiness, but you still, you still make a decision based on happiness. It's just a happiness that is prolonged and deferred into the future. I mean, think about it. Even the most difficult, painful things we do, we make based upon, this This will make me happier. There is such a hardwired desire for pleasure and happiness inside of us that, that no matter what we do, we may not like to do something, but we believe we'll be happier by doing it. We believe somehow it will lead to pleasure. It will provide a benefit, a value, a reward that is pleasurable. We are, we are built that way. We are wired that way. I mean, Jesus talked about rewards as being part of the kingdom of God. We always, we're just wired that way. We can't, we can't escape it. So every decision we make is based on our assessment of being happy. And, and a matter of fact, God doesn't punish us for wanting to be happy. We've got to get that out of our mind. We've got to understand that we can repent for being happy. And the only reason we would repent for being happy is because we think it would bring us more happiness. It's true. Oh, maybe, hey, and then God would bless me more, which would make me happy. Or, 
or take away some of this pain in my life and make me happy. Like, like everything we do, even repentance itself, even repenting of being happy, is because we want to be happy. I mean, come on, folks. If that doesn't free you a bit here this morning, what will? I don't, want, I don't mean to yell at you. <clears throat> I just want you to be happy. <laughs> oh, good stuff. God created you to be happy, Sam. Our mistake lies not in the intensity of our desire for happiness, but in the weakness of it. C.S. Lewis. Whoa. Let that marinate for a little bit. And we're going to come back to this later on. But, but think about that. The desire for happiness. I, I would venture to say that, that, that no matter how much we desire pleasure and happiness, we could never desire it as much as God. If he created creation for his pleasure, at the root of the Big Bang, or whatever you want to call it, right? Because I, I, there could have been an explosion. There could have been, God could have, I mean, we would measure that as an explosion pretty much, wouldn't we? Right? I often thought about that. Tim, another coffee conversation. And, and, but imagine God going Boom, I'm creating light, I'm creating darkness, I'm creating heaven, I'm creating earth, I'm creating land, I'm creating sea. I'm cre- like, at the very source of that energy is what? He wants to be pleased. The power of his desire for pleasure. So C.S. Lewis is not, not off here, folks. I mean, he is like, you have to understand, our desire for happiness and pleasure is not, it's because it's too weak, that's our problem. Whoa. We're going to come back to that later. Remember, you're created in his image. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 5. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us to himself through Jesus Christ, and this gave him great pleasure. I, I, when I was in, in Bible college, <clears throat> I, I thought this was his plan, but I, I eventually realized that, that the... Um, the this in giving him great pleasure is people, not his plan. Now, God doesn't sit around going, I have such a wonderful plan. It pleases me, my plan, you know. No, it's you, it's me. It's, it's us. And if we give him pleasure, does it only apply to when we behave? God commands us to delight ourselves in the Lord, and he'll give us the desires of his heart. He commands us to seek after these pleasures that are found in him and that are him. You know, I think this morning as we were honoring the the children's workers, and, and Kent mentioned how children minister today because they're better at it than us adults sometimes. You know, I... I don't know, I think Lori and I sit on one or two boards together and I think there was, I think I said it to you, I said it a few times this week as I repeat this refrain over and over again. Like, it, on the Allentown School Board, it's, it's not the kids that bother me at all, it's the adults that are the problem. Us adults is usually how I, because I'm one of them. And, you know, when Jesus called people stiff-necked people, it, it wasn't when they were 
having a wedding celebration at Cana. <laughs> anyway. But Jesus actually challenged his disciples to be like little children. Oh, doesn't that feel like you just like, yeah. You mean he's requiring me to be like a child? A child enjoys pleasure. A child enjoys being happy. And somehow something happens through life. Could be through trauma, could be through lots of different things, but we we become these adults, adults who who we lose track and lose sight of of our design and desire for happiness and for pleasure. Simple pleasures. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Not trust in certain riches, but in the living God. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. All things to enjoy. Simple pleasures. It's okay to enjoy simple things in life. We can celebrate those simple things. And it's ultimately when we celebrate and understand and realize that who's behind all the simple pleasures and who's behind all of creation, that we have the fullness of joy and the pleasures that there is. Let's go through these last couple of slides quickly here, Sam. We got happiness is like a glorious virus. It is more blessed to give than receive. Even giving is based on us being blessed and receiving pleasure, receiving something back. It's amazing. It, it just really is. He commands us to seek after these pleasures and the pleasures that are found in him. Jesus himself taught us how to really receive those pleasures in how he lived his life here on earth. Yes, did he not? And this is, we can get it, I'm going I'm to park this because this could really open up a whole other can. But in terms of Christ, who, you know, we're not Christ, if you haven't figured that out yet, um, and yet, sometimes we try to be even in providing the redemption of all mankind. <laughs> you know, the Messiah complex, right? But Christ, even in simple pleasures, he, 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 he did those things. He, he lived life. I mean, you read, especially Luke's gospel, the earthiness and, and the reality of what was happening among mankind. And Jesus was in the middle of all that all the time. So now, back to C.S. Lewis, Sam. We are too easily pleased. There's a lot of words up here, so bear with me. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an arrogant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. The reason why we desire joy and why we make decisions based upon happiness is because the ultimate joy and the ultimate happiness is found in Christ himself. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. It is 
the, the pleasure principle and the biblical view of pleasure is so wired within us. Well, let us never deny our desire for pleasure and our desire for happiness because we'll deny the fullness of who God himself is and are delighting in him. And this is the point that C.S. Lewis makes. Our desire for pleasure is actually very too weak. If our desire for pleasure were actually really strong, we would be finding ultimate pleasure and ultimate delight and ultimate happiness and ultimate joy in Christ himself. Why do we settle for less than full joy, full happiness? And we'll close with this. We make God happy. You make God happy. Kent mentioned this a couple weeks ago as well. Um, The chief end of mankind is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of mankind is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. We make God most happy when we enjoy him. Hmm. We make God most happy when we enjoy him. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Empower us to turn up the the pleasure drive in our lives to the ultimate joy and pleasure. May you, Jesus, reveal yourself here among us today in such a way that our delight increases exponentially. Teach us, Holy Spirit, to learn delight, to increase delight, to increase our desire for pleasure in you, and to open up our eyes, open up our ears, open up all of us to to see, to hear who you really are and the fullness of who you are, and delight in you, and take pleasure in you. And enjoy you. It's almost as if there's a pleasure in the brokenness that comes when we delight in you. May you come, Holy Spirit, in such a a deep way today. And give each of us an understanding that transcends our mind. That transcends even our emotions. comes deep, deep, deep within us. May we receive who you are and walk our ways of of being designed after you 
in desiring you and desiring you as our ultimate pleasure in our lives. May our delight in you be worship. Reveal to us all the different aspects of you, Jesus. All the different facets. The sparkling riches and glory who you are. Wow. May there be delight and joy and pleasure released in you and through you to us today as we worship you.